This is Reset, I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Put your cute sweaters and jackets away. The first few days of October are going to be more than 80 degrees in our area. This comes after the hottest summer on record scorched parts of Europe, Arizona, Japan, and South America. NASA says those hot days made wildfires worse in Canada and Hawaii and likely led to severe rainfall around the Mediterranean. Now, at this point, 64% of adults in the U.S. have experienced extreme weather like flooding and heat waves and droughts or wildfires. And they think climate change is partly to blame. That figure is up by 10 percentage points just since April, according to new polling from the Associated Press National Opinion Research Center, or AP. Nork. So could this major shift in public opinion turn into action? Here to discuss, Karen Weigert, Reset's sustainability contributor and director of Loyola University Chicago's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Welcome back, Karen. Great to see you. And here with us is Leslie Showers, vice chair of Chicago's new Climate Action Museum. Climate Action Museum, awesome. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sasha. Great to be here. So uh, I want to hear from both of you, but I'll start with you, Karen, because... Uh, I don't know, this may sound like a big question, but just go ahead and, and share what first comes to mind for you. How has climate change impacted your life? Oh, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, there's probably two ways to answer that question. The one is I think about it all the time when the weather is weird. And I wonder, is that climate change? But on a practical level, I'm in Chicago. We have these really hot days. They are They're just brutal. And that's if you have air conditioning at home. So I wonder if I'm meeting someone out, is it safe for them to be out? Are things going to be canceled? And I also worry every time it rains, is there going to be flooding? Mm -hmm. And the rain sometimes seems to come sideways now. Is it going to come in? It is does, it going to come in it? that way? Yeah. yeah. So I worry about it. Leslie, have you experienced a severe weather event? We have. Um, I think it is a little more personal and in my face. You know, in Uptown, we have the largest Midwest, in the Midwest, social service, nonprofit service center. And our tenants have direct service to the very vulnerable population in Uptown and on the north side. Okay. So we get to know these people firsthand. They come in and out of our building every single day. And it's really sad when one day you say, what happened to so-and-so? Well, it was really hot outside and he passed. So I've had a wow. couple of those events with the very, with the heat being so really hot and the cold being below zero. Mm -hmm. I've had people that I've actually known pass. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, and you know, I think we could say that uh, the one constant of Chicago is, uh, Chicago weather is, is variability, right? Mm -hmm. But 80 degrees in October? Yeah, it, it 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 variability. I I almost think of it more in volatility these days, mm. Mm. and so it is. That might be a better word. Yeah, it's something we're unfortunately having to try to get used to. But volatility is hard to get used to, and it's hard to prepare. And as Leslie's talking about, it's dangerous uh, for people across the city, and it's dangerous for people across the country who have homes that are in the way of wildfires and other disasters that we hear about. But 80 in October just reinforces that feeling of being a little unsettled. Like, is this the new normal? And what does that actually mean? And how can we make sure that everybody uh, is able to be safe on a planet that is warming? Tell us about that that poll I mentioned earlier, Karen, from AP Newark. What are the findings? 
Yeah, it, it, as you mentioned, there was a there was a polling done just recently, and it was also done before the summer. And this was the su- hottest summer on record. And polling shows that more adults, U.S. adults, are now connecting extreme weather and climate change. And so about two-thirds now say that climate will have or has already had a major impact in their lifetime. So those numbers are going up. My goodness. Um, How did the extreme heat and flooding and wildfires affect those numbers? They absolutely did, in part because the time sequence of when the polling was done. And uh, the polling most recently asked about heat. And about three-quarters of the U.S. adults polled said that they have been affected by extreme heat or by heat waves. But that number, that 74% number now, was 55% in April. So you can see the impact of heat just in the way Americans are viewing this connection. And similarly, 6 in 10 adults from that same poll said that haze or smoke from the wildfires had impacted them. And that's just not something that has been in the climate conversation, mm-hmm. at least in this part of the U.S. So the, the fact that we're hearing that, that more people are seeing climate change as the cause for this, is that a hopeful thing? Yeah, in the immediate answer, I would say, just think how unsettling that is. The first time someone connects these weird weather patterns to something larger, this idea of climate change. I think that's very unsettling. I mean, for a long time, walking around, people did not know what that meant. Right. They would just hear the term. It's something I hear on the news. Precisely. And now it's gone from something you could hear or, or you could dismiss to it's changing your actual life. What's really hopeful about it, though, is when you can identify the problem, you can take action on the problem. And the fact that we now have a majority of Americans connecting these things, that creates a platform where a majority of Americans can say, okay, what am I going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Uh, Leslie, uh, scientists connected to the UN have said that uh, though the time to act is getting shorter, that it's still possible to slow the pace of warming. So if governments and corporations across the globe act now to, to stop burning fossil fuels, right? How does this guide your work? So, that like Karen said, there is there was this this opinion out there that you know, and you said that climate change is something in the news. It's not affecting me now, um, but it is, and it gives us a, a way through, like the Climate Action Museum of educating because people now understand that this is a thing it's happening to me what can I do about it but it's really big can I do anything about it the climate action museum shows you how you can do something about it and how your neighbors can do something about it and together a community can do something about it speaking of doing something you work on decarbonizing a historic building in uptown tell us about that I do so we have a Chicago landmark building in Uptown, it is 166,000 square feet. Um, And we are working right now to make that as as energy efficient as possible. So we're taking on about a 23 plus million dollar renovation, deep energy retrofit of this building. Wow. Uh, You formed a coalition of um, building owners who are working to make this a reality too? Yes. Who's involved? So as we were doing it, we got other building owners who would come over because we're always open, come and check out what we're doing, right, that wanted to know how we got started. And so we started with four buildings. We started with um, Sir Circle, who has two affordable housing buildings, a high school, and our building. We've expanded to 12 buildings now. 
in Uptown, and all of us together are doing this work to decarbonize our buildings. We're trying to set a date of 2040, but we do want to be realistic about it. (laughs) Uh, So in the scheme of what needs to happen, Karen, where does decarbonization of buildings sit? Oh, Leslie's right on it. Um, When we think about decarbonizing, if we think about it from the Chicago standpoint, the majority of emissions coming from the city of Chicago are related to buildings. It's related to heating, running, operating, the buildings where we live, work, play, uh, worship, learn, it's buildings. And if you look nationally, buildings are number two, transportation's number one. But if you're really trying to decarbonize this community, you have to start with buildings. And a large building, uh, like the one that Leslie's talking about, is a huge example of what's possible. Hmm. So, uh, you know, the world's trying to avoid having the planet warm by one and a half degrees Celsius, right? Why is that, Karen? And and how far are we from achieving that goal? The 1.5 Celsius target that you mentioned is the, the target that came out of the the Paris Climate Accord in 2015. So the the wording is really about trying to ensure that it doesn't exceed two degrees and that the aspiration is a 1.5. And these are all Celsius. So for us, those of us who live in Fahrenheit, the numbers are a little bigger. Uh, we've already warmed probably about one, 1.1 in terms of Celsius. Okay. So we're already on that that trend Sounds of warming. Close. Yeah, it's 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 a significant amount of warming. And the real question is, what's the trajectory? Is Are we going to be able to stave off those increases? And if you if you break down the numbers inside the government commitments, because the Paris Accord is really, it's a government level commitment. Mm-hmm. And they're ultimately, they're voluntary. They were self-declared. But even the current commitments have the warming trending much more in the high twos in terms of increases. So those are the commitments. So there's two things. It's A, how do you increase the commitments? And B, how do you actually ensure that you deliver what you are committed to? And so when we think about the the COP process and those global meetings, that's really that's really the focus. This year's a lot of focus about getting the numbers right. It's mm-hmm. the stock take. Uh, but we are not on track to achieve that 1.5 without faster action on the ground and bigger commitments. Yeah. Leslie, what inspired you to take action? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I've always taken action. I remember what sticks in my mind all the time is when I was very little, I was driving with my mom. A car in front of me threw, about, threw out a bag of garbage. And I told her to stop. <laughs> I said, stop. And I ran up to the car and I said, you dropped something. You got to get <laughs> you know, I think I was about 12. It, it has, even through school, I've geared myself towards sustainability, towards taking care of the environment. It started with me with just taking care of the earth. Um, and I tell you, when I got to the Institute of Cultural Affairs, the mission that that organization had in taking care of the environment, the earth, and the people that lived in it um, has really pushed me to do that work. And, and we're talking about extreme weather events today. Have, have you seen that mobilize folks in your community? Fortunately, the uptown community hasn't experienced the flooding, but I have for the very the heat events, um, things have shut down, cooling places needed to open so our, our neighbors would open up their stores and, and their buildings so that people could come in and get cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uptown is really a warm community and they're on it. While I have you here, uh, I've got to hear more about the Climate Action Museum. What is that? <laughs> 
So it is a museum, and I I call it a, a conversation. Actually, there's a reason why action is in that in that uh, title. There are only eight climate museums in the world, mm-hmm. so we are lucky to have one. And I was we excited to hear that you existed. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, it is a museum that came out of a exhibit that Doug Farr. A far associates had in the Chicago Architectural Center called Energy Revolution. It was it started as trying not to put that exhibit in the landfill, and the idea was well, it was such a successful exhibit. Why not keep it going? And we looked for a spot for this museum, found it, and with all of these other interested people, um, we got together and put this museum on. Before I let you go, Karen, you know, this issue of, of taking action, we know it can be thorny, right? Often the responsibility gets puts on it gets put on individuals rather than on governments or industries. So when we're thinking about efforts to decarbonize, how can the responsibility be shared, do you think? You know, and, and not just on me or you. Well, I think it's great that there's a role for all of us. I think it's awesome that there's a role for, for us uh, in the many roles that we play you know, as consumers, as learners, as workers, as family members. But I'm tired, Karen. How can I don't, we share it? I know. We're all, we're, Les and I were catching up about that. We're all a little tired. So, yes, there's a role for us. It, it is also critical that there's a role for everyone. And some of those connections are how do we as individuals send signals to companies through what we buy or don't buy? How do we as individuals send signals to the government that we have and the government that we want through voting? And then when you think about that really big picture about how do we decarbonize and how do we do it equitably, it does ultimately require every sector. So looking at federal legislation, looking at state law and legislation, looking at what the city can do, and also then looking at company commitments. Uh, So the timing here is is really interesting. We just had Climate Week in New York last week. We're coming up in October. There'll be something similar in Chicago. And Mm -hmm. then after that, you have COP, which is global. So... There is a role for all of us, but but just like anything that happens, by yourself is never the big answer. It's with everyone else. And in this case, everyone else is every other sector. And there's lots of ways for us as individuals yeah. to see the impact directly, to reduce some carbon right here, mm-hmm. to create some jobs right now, but then to create the market economy and the government system that can scale. We'll leave it there for now. Karen Weigert is Reset Sustainability Contributor, and Leslie Showers is Vice Chair of the Climate Action Museum. Go check it out, folks. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.